Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. So I got, they gave me permission to preach today, which is so exciting. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about, we're going to piggyback a little bit on address the mess. This is not a, a sermon with that, but we're going to keep going with it because the message that I have this morning really is something that just has been hitting my heart, especially in a time as this. I don't know about you, but every week that we've been talking about this whole thing, address the mess, there's one or two parts in the sermon that I'm just like, Ugh. like, that was for me. Like, okay, I got to write this down. Jesus, work in me. Holy Spirit. Okay. So this sermon, if it hits some points, I want you to know that nobody told me about your life, okay? That is the Holy Spirit at work. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about Daniel chapter 3, and it is about three men who face one of the most tremendous conflicts in their whole entire lives. And they have already been facing a lot of conflict because they were taken away from their home and they were living in captivity and exile. So bringing it all together, From the series Address the Mess, we kind of finished off by saying when we have a vertical perspective, when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, he gives us the ability, he gives us the capacity to be able to really deal with the horizontal relationships with the people surrounding us in a godly way. If we have our eyes fixed on what's around us, we're going to behave and react and respond a little bit differently. So we're going to keep that in mind from the beginning. When order to change my horizontal relationships, I need a vertical perspective. So in order to have a vertical perspective, the first thing that I need to do, I need to dethrone all idols that are taking the place of God in my life. God needs to be the one that's sitting on the throne. So let's do a self-check real quick. Who is really sitting on the throne of your heart? Is it God? Or is it something else? And we're going to see this in a minute. Things that take the place of God in our lives, an idol is not always just a statue of gold. It is anything that is competing for God's attention in our lives. And that can come in the form of many, many, many things. But when he is on the throne, when Jesus really is king and Lord of my life, it changes everything. It changes the way that I see the world because I'm seeing the world through his eyes. It changes the way that I talk to people that I interact with people because I am living a life in Jesus, which should mean that I am then showing the fruit of the Spirit. I am practicing compassion. I am showing love. We're never going to be perfect at it. But when we have that vertical perspective, we are empowered by Jesus to do these things. It's almost like when we have a vertical perspective, it's kind of like we're seeing life through a filter. Now, I know everybody here has opened Snapchat at some point in their life or has used an Instagram filter or even Facebook has these filters now where you take a picture or even apps on your phone. When you take a picture, you can change the lighting and you can change the setting and you can crop it and you can minim- you can do so many things with technology. Now, when we live our lives in Christ, it's almost like he's saying, hey, Here's a new filter by which I want you to see the world. And mind you, it's going to be very different than how the world wants you to see the world and how the world wants you to interact with the world. But I promise you, this is going to bring you life. And the filter that we have through Jesus 
is his word. He wants us to have a biblical worldview, to see the world through what has already been established, to see the world with what he has written, to see the world through what he has given us. Now the world is going to push that away. It's going to try to make us see through different filters, through different lenses, by offering so many different perspectives. But for those who are in Christ, we have to have this truth embedded deep, 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 deep inside of us. Culture cannot redefine what God has already defined. And we're going to jump into that as we jump into the book of Daniel. In the Old Testament, God gave his chosen people Israel this filter, and he gave it to them through the Ten Commandments, and he gave it through them as they, you know, left Egypt. They were freed from captivity, and God was like, here, I want you to live your life like this. Follow me. I am the Lord your God. Don't have any other gods before me. Honor your father and your mother. All the list of the Ten Commandments. He's like, live like this. Live like this, and you guys are going to live in abundance, and you're going to see my glory, and you're going to be fine. But being the human heart the way it is, they were like, okay, golden calf, you know? Like, it was just completely running away from God and dethroning him and putting up other idols in his place. So they happened to do this repeatedly, time after time, dethroning God, putting other gods in his place, dethroning God, putting other things in its place, dethroning God, putting other gods in his place. And eventually, in 608 BC, they were taken into exile by the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. And in here is where we find Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar was a king that historians write in, in different articles and in different historic writings, and the Bible shows it as well. He was a very, very, very cruel man. He wanted everyone to know who he was, and he wanted everyone to know that he was not messing around. And he decided to build a statue, and it was about 90 feet high, which is about as tall as a nine-story building, and about nine feet wide, and he said, all right, everybody, here's the decree. When the music plays, everybody bow down and worship this statue. We're in a time where he had taken Israel captive. So we have a mix of different people here. People who served pagan gods, who worshiping the statue would just be, okay, whatever, I'm gonna worship the statue because the king said so. But we also have a mix of people who knew that God had told them, you will only worship the Lord your God. We have a group of people in this mix who knew that, wait a second, that's not my God. I can't kneel down to him. So we see this dilemma here. And here's, here's the part that really kind of freaked them out. The king was like, whoever does not bow to this statue will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Okay, so when the music sounds, everybody bows. Get it, got it. And as my first grade kids would respond, get it good. There were no questions asked. It was you bow or you die. So what would you do? What would you do if we were in this situation? If the king said, I'm going to build up this statue and I want you to bow to it or you will die. The truth is, that specific scenario probably won't happen here in America, but it actually is. 
let me introduce you to a little friend. You know that if I'm preaching, there's a prop somewhere. He has been borrowed from the Danellen Youth Group Closet. This is Franz, ladies and gentlemen. He has turned from his idolatrous ways and now dedicates his life to um, serving as sermon illustrations. So, today, we don't bow to statues. We just, we, we don't. We, you hear this story and you're like, that would never happen to us. But the truth is, today, there are so many idols that are fighting for the place of God in our lives. To name just a few, money, sex, social media, politics, success, self-image, all of these things, you're like, oh yeah, that, that could be pretty bad. But then, an idol doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh my gosh, that's so evil, I would never bow to that. No, an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life. So it could be a good thing. Family, your job, relationships, it's anything that you make more important than God in your life. So today, there's nobody that's gonna, you know, build a nine-foot statue and say, bow to it. But culture is 100% saying, bow to me, honor me, serve me, worship me, give me your allegiance. Now, all of these things in it in itself, they're not terribly wrong. Money, we need it. Sex, God created it. Social media could be used for really good things. Politics, we don't talk about politics. No, politics, they're not, they're not wrong in itself, but it's, it's when you put them above God and we use them to serve our own purposes. That's when things get wonky, right? Self-image. We were made in the image of God, yet we're trying to change everything about us so that we fit in a box that culture has set up and we make it our priority and not God. So things get distorted when we make things the idol. Family. Family is awesome. You have to put your family first. But even before family has to be God. Even before. Religion. Now that's a word we can debate on because Jesus did not come to establish a religion. He came to establish a relationship and so many wars have been fought over religion. And your job, anything that takes the place of God in your life can be an idol. So, we... If we don't bow to this, we're not going to be thrown into like a legit fire, but are we? Today, if you don't bow to the standards of culture, you get canceled. You get totally like shunned off of social media. You get totally like people start calling you names and people start trolling you on the internet, all because you are not agreeing with what culture has put up. This is real. What was happening in Daniel chapter 3 is super real, and it's happening right now. So how do we not bow to this? How do we become people who are not swayed by what culture is telling us to do? It's so easy to bow because we say, I don't want to be thrown in the furnace. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be marginalized. I, I would rather just bow. Jesus will forgive me, right? So we have these, these misconceptions. We, we have a fear of 
of dying a social death or of, of losing relationships, so we say, I'm not going to bow. We also have, you know, this, this kind of sense of, well, let me just justify it. Let me just justify the order of my priorities. Let me just justify. No, this is a really good idol to have in my heart because God didn't really say that. God, God understand. That's, that was for like the people back then. It's not for me now. As a church, we believe that this is the breathing, living, inspired word of God from Genesis to Revelation. This is true, and it is relevant today. And then there's just the simple going with the flow. Cool, let's do it. <laughs> there's really no thinking about it. And for all of these things, for all of the people who, who bowed to this and for all of the people who were bowing to the statue in Daniel chapter 3, they were leaning into a horizontal perspective, really measuring the outcomes by what they saw around them. And it's so easy to have this perspective. It's so easy. But are you willing to stand up and be different? Are you willing to live by what, you, what God tells us is real and true and not be ashamed and not be afraid. True story. I posted a prayer on TikTok praying for the schools after the devastating school shootings of Uvalde. And um, I posted the prayer and I got a notification that it got taken down. And I looked at the reasoning, and I was like, what do you mean my prayer got taken down? I don't understand. And it said that it violated the ethics and integrity of the community of TikTok. A prayer asking for God's protection over children by culture standard today is saying, we don't want that, we don't need that, sorry, it's going to be taken down. If you know me, I did not stay quiet. <laughs> and I, I sent an appeal, and I was like, what do you mean? Respectfully, I disagree. And after a little bit of back and forth, uh, they put it back. We cannot stay quiet, church. We cannot stay quiet. It is time to stand up, and it is time to believe that what God says is real it's time to not be afraid, and it's time to, to really take in what God has called us to be. So in Daniel, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the first part of Daniel 3 because it's very, very long, and we'll focus on the, the key verses at the end. But everybody bowed. So the king was like, when the music plays, everybody bows, and do, 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 the music played, and everybody bowed. Everybody except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. With everything going on around them, with the, the consequence of a death, they, they, they didn't bow. They knew in their heart what they had to do in that moment when everybody, like when, when literally their life was on the line. They stayed true to the original filter that God gave them to see the world. They were three self-differentiated people totally dependent on God. Now this word, self-differentiation, 
It comes from, um, originally came from Murray Bowen. He was a psychologist who studied family systems theories. And then it was taken on by Edwin Friedman, who really talked about how people react in the face of conflict. Are you a non-anxious person? Or do you kind of allow the anxieties and conflict around you really shape and mold and dictate how you respond or react to the situation? Now, when we see this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in a very anxious situation. There was a lot of conflict. There was a lot of anxiety. They could have easily just have bowed with everybody else, but they were true to themselves. They did not allow all of that to happen. Now, Bowen, who first kind of came up with this term, would say it's because you have a very good kind of like balance and you have a very good kind of like idea of how to manage everything. Now Friedman, he was an ordained rabbi and he brought God into the mix. And he was like, no, no, it's not because of you. It's actually because God gives you the ability to do that. And the only way that he gives us the ability to do that is when we are totally dependent on God. To be a truly self-differentiated person, you have to be totally dependent on God. And that's kind of like an oxymoron, because how can I be totally self-differentiated if I'm totally dependent? But here's the thing. When God spoke this world into motion, he said, let there be water. He spoke to the earth and there was water. When he created the trees, the animals, he spoke to the earth and it was. When he created you and me, when he spoke, so that Adam and Eve were he created. He didn't speak to the world. He didn't speak to the air. He didn't speak to what He spoke to himself, to the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. If you take a plant out of the soil, what happens? It dies. If you take birds out of their environment, what happens? They don't thrive. They die. If you take a person away from God, what happens? We die. To be a self-differentiated person in our world today, we have to be connected to God. We have to be, or we're gonna die. We're gonna die, we cannot live without God. And this is exactly what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're gonna read real quick, follow me in Daniel 3, verses 13 and on. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? All right, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego applied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter 
than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie him up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and all their other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who had took them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. What a story. What, what a narrative. These three men, knowing what their consequence was, they knew where their allegiance was, they knew where their heart was, they knew that their vertical perspective was only as strong as their relationship with God. Their allegiance was to God. They had a relationship with God. This doesn't just come around from knowing him, like knowing about him and kind of like hearing the stories. And they knew God on a personal level, which is why they were able to go to this point to say, King, with all due respect, you can do what you want with us. God can totally save us. But even if he doesn't, it's, it's okay with us because he's good. And the king got mad, and he turned up the heat seven times hotter. So hot that the soldiers who brought him in died. And doesn't it feel that way sometimes? That when we really are trying to live our life for Christ, when we're really trying to do what's right, when we make these commitments to say, okay, Jesus, here we go, feels like the oven starts getting hotter. It feels like things just start going crazy. It's okay. It's okay. Because the story doesn't end there. They got thrown into the fire. But what happens when you have a vertical perspective that's fueled by a vertical relationship? It changes everything. It changes everything. Let's keep reading in verse 14. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisor, whoa, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of our most high God, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and everybody that was around crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, and their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Wow! There is nothing that our God can't do. There is nothing that our God cannot do. They were thrown into the fire, but there was another in the fire. When we walk through the fires of life, when we feel like against our will, we have been thrown into the pit of the furnace, rest assured that there is another one walking with you. In this story, they did not have the revelation of Jesus like we do now. This was the Old Testament. But this is the most, one of the most beautiful allusions to Christ 
they looked and they were like, whoa, he looks like the son of God. They had no idea what it was. And we have the living, resurrected King Jesus who walks with us too. This is an end game. So what do I do when the fire seems hot and when I feel like there's no way out? What do I do when idols start trying to take the place of everything in my life? What do I do? The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, says this narrative in the most crazy way. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar turned around to really look at what was happening because he heard singing in the fire. He was like, what is that singing? They're supposed to be dead. They were worshiping. They were praising the God who they knew could save them but maybe wouldn't. So what do we do to reshift our perspective? We got to take our idols and we have to totally dethrone them. They cannot, they cannot be up. They cannot take the place of God in our life. And then what do I do? I have to bring my whole self to the foot of the cross. I have to bring my whole self to the foot of the cross and leave it all there and know that the one who was hung is not there anymore. He's alive. And he walks with me in the fire. Because of him, I can be who he created me to be, who he designed me to be within the parameters, the beautiful parameters that were not meant to restrict me or bind me, but to set me free in him. So one thing to remember as we go on from this, from this place this week, a vertical perspective does not exempt me from pain or loss. We see that clearly in this story. It helps me to know that Jesus is with me through it all. And then one thing to do is reshift your horizontal perspective to a vertical one. Reflect on what idols you have let take the place of God in your life and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much because we know that we are not alone. You walk with us. There is another in the fire. We don't have to bow to the things of this world because you conquered the grave and you walk with us through it all. So we pray this morning that you give us courage, that you give us boldness, and that you empower us, Father, to be people who live for you, who trust your word, who believe your promises, and who are unashamed and unafraid to be a witness and to testify of your greatness and your goodness in our world and in our culture that is so contrary to you today. As we come to focus on what you did on the cross, Jesus, help us to really just turn our whole selves back to you, every eye, every heart, every mind on you. In your name we pray, amen. amen.